Hello, friends. I'm Matt Baum, and thanks for subscribing to the Defining Marriage podcast, where we trace the decades-long evolution of marriage through the personal stories of those who lived through it. If you've been listening so far, every week you've heard me read one chapter of my book, Defining Marriage, Voices from a 40-Year Labor of Love. If you'd like to hear the book, complete and unabridged, you can jump back and listen to the first 18 episodes of this podcast in order. Or you can pop over to Amazon and get Defining Marriage as a digital download, and now in paperback and audiobook. Now that I've released the entire book as a podcast, for the next few episodes, I'll be revisiting the marriage work that I did as a reporter and an activist over the last decade. I've gathered news clips, interviews, and analysis from the dark days of marriage inequality, and this week, I'm talking to Davina Kotulski, a crucial figure in the modern marriage equality movement. Davina appears briefly in my book, but she played a key role in securing marriage in California and nationally. I spoke to her this week about what it was like to not just be a witness to history, but to have an opportunity to shape it. Hi welcome. Hi, welcome. Today I'm speaking to Davina Katulski. She's the author of Why You Should Give a Damn About Gay Marriage and Love Warriors. She's a former executive director of Marriage Equality USA. Uh, Davina, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Matt, for inviting me to be here with you. Well, I think um, anyone who has looked at uh, photos of a marriage equality rally from any point in the last, like, 15 years, there's probably a good chance that they've seen you front and center there. So um, can you tell me, just uh, give me a little background on uh, wh- how you got started as an activist. Well, I got started as an activist probably as a teenager coming out in high school in my um, suburban town that I grew up in 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 Oregon, uh, wanting to, you know, be able to talk about the issue of being gay and uh, being out. And then uh, at Portland State University, I got involved with uh, what was called the Lesbian Alliance, and we worked to change the name to, um, you know, begin to include other folks in in the LGBTQ movement. Um, but basically, back in uh, back in those days, I got involved in Queer Nation, uh, ACT UP, and just was very involved in wanting to make sure that um, the LGBT community was re- represented, that we were um, treated equally and fairly, and willing to to stand up and speak out. Um, Did you come from an activist background? Um, you know, my dad, when he was growing up, uh, got involved with the um, voting rights movement and was actually uh, jailed in Mississippi for helping register black voters. So, um, and he was a politician in Oregon. And, and so politics and equality were always something that were very, was very important to my family. If you have a voice, you can lend it and you should not just focus on your own issues, but you should help other people that are, um, you know, not being treated fairly. How did they respond to uh, to you coming out and, and being an activist uh, around LGBT issues? Because uh, that might be something that, you know, as, as forward-thinking and progressive as parents might be, they might not anticipate. I think it was a little uncomfortable for them at first because they, like many parents, worried that um, maybe I wasn't going to have a good life or that it was dangerous or lonely, kind of that theme, which I know you talk about as well. Um, but after that, uh, they were very supportive, um, and they actually have been involved in, you know, various campaigns up in Oregon and, um, lending money to the cause and speaking out and putting bumper stickers on their car and, you know, just really being actually quite supportive. So I feel very grateful for that. Tell me a little about what, uh, your early experiences and activism look like. Um, setting up uh, booths at, at Portland State University for people to come and talk to us, um, marching in the LGBT parade in Portland, San Francisco in 1989. And then when I 
um, came down to San Francisco to attend um, the California School of Professional Psychology because uh, I was studying psychology. I made sure that uh, all of my research uh, was on LGBT issues and speaking out about that and working to uh, have more representation around psychology and fairness within the LGBT community as well as you know women's issues and um, cultural diversity. So it was just something that like bringing the academic and the activism together. Uh, and then in uh, 1996, uh, I met you know a woman that I, I wanted to I fell in love with and and wanted to marry. And, um, you know, at that time, the Defense of Marriage Act was just being passed as we met and fell in love. And, uh, and so that sort of um, started us off in a particular direction, working to change the, um, the laws so that, that same-sex couples could have the right to marry. Um, also in June 1996, I was hired by the um, Federal Department of Justice uh, as a psychologist and uh, I came out in my, my interview, of course, and said, you know, I was gay and I knew that there had been a history of discriminating against federal employees and, and whatnot and during the McCarthy era and et, et cetera. But, um, you know, it was amazing that they weren't used to having people come out and say they were openly gay. And so there was this whole investigation that was done on me before I began working uh, for the government. And they, you know, they interviewed my... Um, my employer, previous employer, they interviewed my landlords to find out, was it true that I was gay? Was I open about it? And that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, it was really disappointing. I expected uh, at the time Clinton to be uh, even more supportive of LGBT rights. And, you know, retrospectively, I know that he probably did what he felt was the best thing he could do. And he, he did help make some strides for sure for LGBT people with regard to the um, the Family Leave Act, and of course uh, the celebrations, um, the, the diversity celebrations that happened in 2000 as he left office, uh, which was so much more than uh, what followed during the the Bush years. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, that was another way that I was sort of showing my my outness and advocating for LGBT equality that you know I wasn't going to hide uh, my sexual orientation on my job application. I'm really fascinated by the investigation they felt they had to do. What was it that you think they were looking for? They were looking for whether or not um, I could be blackmailed. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of the thing with with government employees, that there were no protections and uh, and that, you know, I I was working for the Department of Justice. And so they, you know, if you're not out and you're hiding and somebody finds out about that, you know, you might be bribed or whatever. And I was working for the Bureau of Prisons. So it was, you know, kind of a sensitive position. Yeah. Well, it sounds like I wonder if because you were so out that you might not have been vulnerable to blackmail because it sounds like you really didn't have a lot of secrets. Exactly. And and then during my time there, um, what I tried to do was, you know, support other people coming out and have um, we had the first, uh, you know, sort of June diversity awareness kinds of events within the Bureau of Prison. We had folks, I invited folks out from PFLAG to come and speak and from GLSEN and, um, you know, tried to to encourage my uh, coworkers to come out and and my other coworkers to educate themselves uh, about the issues. But that was pretty darn radical uh, back in 1998, 99, 2000. Uh, And then, of course, during the, the Bush years, all of those programs were shut down pretty much across the country. Tell me a little more about the the activism that you did outside of work, because you've been just very visible in the community. So um, I would say it, it sort of began uh, in 
1998, um, well, of course, in 1996, I met the person I wanted to marry, and that was Molly McKay. And in 1998, we rode in uh, Gay Pride, uh, Dykes on Bikes. She wore a wedding dress. I wore a tuxedo. And we held a sign that said, Supports Same-Sex Marriage. And we were had been working on planning our own wedding um, for September 1998. And so while we were riding uh, in Dykes and Bikes in San Francisco, there was just all of these people were smiling at us and they were congratulating us on our engagement. And um, it was just really quite wonderful and and. And positive. And as we had begun to plan our wedding, you know, we would go places and some people would be supportive, other people would be really shocked. And, you know, we were trying to order a wedding cake and this woman just kept saying, Your birthday cake. And we kept saying, No, our, our wedding cake. What part of this don't you understand? And, you know, we would go to different places and, you know, some would be supportive, others would just say, No, no, thank you. We don't want to host you. So when we were in the Gay Pride Parade and there was just this outpouring of support, um, we, and the next day, we ended up on the cover of the San Francisco Examiner. Um, we realized how important it was that there weren't images of same-sex couples, loving same-sex couples in the media, and how needed that was, and how, um, you know, how important that was, and, and also how, what, it was such a transformational experience to be congratulated for loving someone of the same sex. Obviously, that had never been my experience in life. And suddenly to be uh, affirmed and supported for just being myself and, and loving who I loved was really a, just, I, I, it was transformational. I don't know um, how else to say it. And, um, and so from sort of that moment on, uh, we realized, you know, on, on another level, an even deeper level, um, that the the personal is political, and that we could do something to make a difference. And around that time, kind of, we started to hear about the night initiative that was coming up, and that there was going to be this initiative to take away marriage rights be, again before they even were in California. If Hawaii passed, uh, you know, if the courts approved marriage equality for same sex couples there, and so. Um, you know, I got involved with that. I was uh, working with the California Psychological Association to uh, raise awareness within the psychological community about the Knight Initiative and why it was important for psychologists to take an active role um, in fighting the Knight Initiative. And, uh, of course, Molly and I got very involved in the No on Night campaign. So after, um, after we lost the Knight Initiative, Marriage Equality California was born. Um, again, the folks, a handful of folks down in uh, L.A. and a handful of us folks up in um, the Bay Area started to create Marriage Equality California, and we started to create chapters throughout the state um, in all the different counties of people who did have the vision for marriage equality. And, of course, you know, you talked about the uh, marriage license counter demonstrations. Uh, Molly and I began um, going and asking for marriage licenses uh, around the same time that um, Diane Whipple uh, was, you know, killed in a that terrible dog mauling um, situation, and her partner Sharon Smith wasn't able to file a wrongful death uh, lawsuit because their relationship wasn't recognized. Did you feel like you because there wasn't a lot of um, consensus on where the community wanted to go that when an opportunity to to coalesce around an important issue like you know like the, the the Whipple tragedy was did you feel like you had you had the freedom to kind of direct people and say all right look everybody let's let's come together this is this is the thing that we need to 
to get behind. Like, you know, this is an opportunity for us to, to rally together and support somebody who needs us. Yeah, what would happen was um, it was an opportunity to really educate people because there there wasn't an understanding as to why marriage mattered and um, and why you know ultimately why we should give a damn about gay marriage uh, and that would be you know I would go out I'd, you know several of us would go out with clipboards and we would try to get people to sign up for stuff and you know I would hear marriage is a patriarchal institution, which I think was sort of the LGBT community's marriages between one man and one woman kind of argument. It was very knee-jerk and, you know, this impacts us and and we don't want to be involved in a patriarchal institution. We don't want our liberation taken away, etc. And so what I found was that I had to find those compelling stories and explain to people um, why you know, why we needed this right. And the more I was in the marriage equality movement and talking to people, the more horror stories, the more tragedies like the Whipple tragedy I was hearing. Um, you know, people even, you know, being denied the right to visit their their partner in a hospital room. Of course, the, the Karen Thompson, Sharon Kowalski situation where, you know, uh, one is injured in a car accident and is never allowed to see her partner again. Um, you know, stories where people aren't invited that, you know, they, they can't even attend the wedding of their, you know, their partner of 25, 30 years, um, not being able to be uh, by their side when they when they die, um, even though they've had, you know, the wills, the advanced health care directives, all of those things not being respected um, because they're they're not in their, you know, they're not carrying around a, a will or an advanced health care directive on their vacation and just, just these horrible stories. And so it like had, I had to have conversation after conversation to try to, um, you know, explain what was going on because again, there were just these knee jerk responses of, Oh, well, you know, that's for, you know, heterosexuals and, you know, standing out with clipboards at different events and gay prides throughout California. I finally realized, Oh my God, I've got to write a book because I can't keep having these 20, 30-minute conversations one-on-one with people. I've got to find a way to get all of these stories down and in one place and address the, you know, the other side's arguments. Did you have initial um, victories or, or at least milestones that indicated to you, okay, well, we're on to something here. This is, this is, we're on the right track. Well, certainly under Gray Davis, there were um, strides in California when we saw, you know, the, and of course, when we saw the the um, right to sue for uh, wrongful death show up, um, the creation of the domestic partnerships in California. Um, I mean, Oakland and Berkeley had, and San Francisco had domestic partnership registries, and you could pay $25, but they didn't come with any rights for many, many years. And then when Carol Migdon, um, you know, helped co-create the uh, the Domestic Partnership uh, Act for California, and we got the right to visit, I think the first right was the right to visit one another in the hospital. That was a huge victory, and I know it sounds like nothing, but at the time it was like, oh, thank God, at least we have this right with our, you know, California Registered Domestic Partnership. Um, and then, you know, different bills would pass, and one year we got, I think, 12 rights, um, but it was like, gosh, there were several hundreds of rights that came with marriage in the state. And then, of course, uh, at the time, 1,049 federal rights. And it was kind of like, well, even if we get 13 rights a year, you know, it's going to take hundreds of years for us to be on par with, uh, you know, um, heterosexual couples. And so the, the 12 rights were huge. And then of September 11th happened, uh, and we did not have the right um, 
to, uh, I think there was some victim compensation. We didn't have that right. So people who lost loved ones in September 11th couldn't inherit anything. And so then that year, uh, Gray Davis, Governor Davis, added one right uh, to the domestic partnership. And then, of course, when Gavin Newsom got elected, I remember sending an, an email to um, his his assistant and saying, you know, Willie, Willie Brown has always been really supportive of our um, marriage license ask and and having a domestic partnership day, you know, it would be great if you would come and say a word, a few words at our rally. And then we heard nothing from him. And I was thinking, well, that sucks. The guy shows up at our gay pride parades. He, he asks for our support and then nothing. And then, of course, you know, behind the scenes, he was doing some amazing things to to create that opportunity for all of us to to marry on Fe- uh, February 12th, 2004. Yeah, that must have been quite a shock. What do you remember from that day? Oh, I remember just, um, you know, like a, a couple days before there were some rumors about, you know, him looking at the uh, the licenses and something about applicant one and two. So there was this buzz going around San Francisco and it was very exciting. And uh, I remember when we came down to um, to do the rally, you know, right before um, the rally, I sort of wrote in my journal, like, there's this possibility something really amazing might happen today. So, um, you know, I put on my best suit and Molly was already at work that day and, and uh, you know, had her wedding dress on. And so we met at San Francisco City Hall and we were getting our, our uh, you know, signs out. And as we were getting the signs out of my car, you know, we look over and, and we walked over to um, to the steps and here comes, um, you know, uh, Del Martin and Phyllis Lyon and they're walking out in their cute little matching pantsuits and they're holding up a, a piece of paper and they're saying, you know, they married us, we're married. And uh, just, you know, both Molly and I just just really emotional and, and tearful and other folks around that, you know, this was amazing. Something amazing had just happened um, and, and history was being made right in front of our eyes. And so we gathered, we, you know, we congratulated them and then we gathered for the rally. And so, uh, you know, I remember taking Molly's hand and, and we walked together um, as they were snapping photos, went through the security line, and we went to the marriage license counter that for three years in a row had denied us the right to marry. And we walked up and we asked for a marriage license and they actually gave us one. I think most people that were there would say to you that they actually, for the first time in their life, felt like they were really American citizens and um, and not second-class citizens. We actually had a rally in, um, in Sacramento that we'd planned previously, and Margaret Cho showed up, and all of these ministers showed up, and, um, you know, Interfaith Coalition, and uh, it was a wonderful um, rally in Sacramento on Valentine's Day, and then... Um, about 44 of us got on a, a bus and traveled from um, San Francisco slash Oakland, California to Washington, D.C. to speak out about marriage equality. And, and you know, one woman, uh, Martha McDevitt Pugh, uh, who was a Californian and um, called herself a love exile, she was legally married in the Netherlands, but she could not bring her wife to the United States. And she would say, I could bring my dog, my dog back to the U.S., but I can't bring my wife and my stepchildren back to the U.S. because the U.S. won't recognize my marriage. And so we um, had about 13 or 14 different rallies and speaking engagements across the country and had the first ever marriage equality rally in um, Washington, D.C. on National Coming Out Day 2004. Wow, it must have really given you a sense of, of 
progress, but could you have imagined like just what was ahead, like that, how close we were to actually winning the the thing that you'd been working on for so long? Well, I guess what's funny is that um, it it seemed like there were so many setbacks that it it seemed forever. And um, I know that might sound hard for some people to to kind of fathom because I know a lot of people say, oh, "Gosh, I never imagined this in my lifetime." And um, I think for some of us, we did imagine it in our lifetime. And all of the too soon, too fast, and that was something that Diane Feinstein had said after Gavin Newsom um, had had allowed same-sex couples to marry. Like we felt like it was forever because we were living and breathing daily uh, marriage equality activism, and you know every spare moment. Uh, was devoted to trying to change the laws, trying to um, educate people, uh, creating leaders, helping people in their own community speak out. And um, and so it was, you know, it felt like 24-7 marriage equality. And, um, and so while it was absolutely thrilling to uh, just watch people grow in their leadership and speaking out and, um, and you know, opening hearts and minds and, and sharing their stories, it 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 truly f- did feel like a longer journey. Yeah, was it, it, it? You mentioned that you know one yeah. of the things that got you started here was uh, in two thousand or sorry, it was in nineteen ninety six when when Clinton was signing DOMA, just as you were getting into an important relationship. Like, how how much were you looking at, at this work as I'm changing the world, and how much were you looking at it as I'm changing my own life? Definitely both. Um, you know, definitely got into it to uh, be able to, you know, honor the relationship that I was in. And, and then also, you know, not wanting other LGBT people to have to experience being demeaned and having their relationships not being seen as important. Over time, you know, and, and of course, you know, I had my own wedding and it was beautiful. And then over time, it sort of felt like, you know, it got to be a little like, um, all right, let's let's put on the outfits. And, um, you know, I think that that got hard. Uh, it certainly had its challenges. Um, and I think you know, certainly, um, you know, when we would get victories, they would feel good, but they weren't like we weren't done. So it's like, yay, we got the right to sue for wrongful death, but there's more. Yay, we can, you know, um, adopt each other's uh, children, you know. Yay, we can get survivor benefits, but like, come on, you know, like, give us the the whole enchilada. We want the, you know, the whole loaf of bread, not just a couple of pieces or crumbs. And so it was just this kind of ongoing, like, okay, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. Um, And uh, so, you know, year after year, it it was good, but it did start to feel a bit like a merry-go-round. While other couples could go and have fun on Valentine's Day, you know, we were putting on our outfits and going down and asking for marriage license because, you know, even though, again, um, we got one, uh, they just, you know, we got one a couple different times. They kept being taken away from us. Looking back, are there lessons that you learned that, that you'd wish you'd learned earlier? Or are there, there are things that you'd want to tell yourself um, and, you know, the you of today would want to tell you back then? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so I, I think it's tough because, you know, ultimately my marriage uh, did end in, in a dissolution and, um, and you know, we had a great run, uh, a great 15 years together. 
And, um, and then, you know, um, for various reasons, there were other things that each of us wanted in our lives and, um, you know, sort of moved in a different direction. Um, and I think that, you know, part of what I could, you know, I sort of think about or, or sometimes say to people is that, you know, your, your marriage is very, um, you kind of want to keep your marriage private and something for yourself. Um, at the same time, I, I truly believe that, you know, Molly and I had a destiny um, to come together and to do that work together. And so, um, because of, you know, our, our I, I truly believe it was a very high spiritual commitment and, um, and love for one another and for our community that, um, you know, we were willing to put everything out there and, um, and to devote our lives and, and to be very public uh, about our relationship, um, which definitely, you know, being a quote-unquote poster couple <laughs> for marriage equality, it works for some people, and, you know, we can be impacted by these these different forces at play, um, and just, just not having time um, to, to do regular things like go camping or, um, and not have people come up and join, I mean, like, we would all, we would go and do things, and everywhere we went, we were kind of uh, recognized, which was, um, sweet and and kind of flattering in some ways, and then in other ways, there were times where it was just like, "Gosh, can we just unplug and um, and just enjoy life?" But again, it's like it's hard to say. Do I have any you know regrets or what I would tell myself? Because I feel like our willingness to do that um, and to invest that time uh, really made a, a big difference um, in the larger sense, and so I I don't regret that having that marriage work uh was it sounds like a fundamental part of the marriage that you had yes yeah absolutely well davina thank you so much for joining me yeah thank you matt for your questions and uh, and thank you for your book absolutely thank you for your books <laughs> you're very welcome Thanks again for listening. Please do get in touch and let me know your thoughts and questions on Twitter. I'm at Matt Baum. And leave a review on iTunes. Not only do those reviews make a huge difference, they really brighten my day. So thanks. Don't forget to hop over to Amazon to get Defining Marriage in print or via download. And if you do pick up a copy, it would mean a lot if you could leave an Amazon review with your honest opinion. Check out my other podcast, The Sewers of Paris, for revealing personal stories about the entertainment that changed the lives of gay men. And until next time, friends, by the power vested in me by the internet, I now pronounce this podcast over. <laughs> <laughs>